The following is a message from Pastor Ellis Orozco of First Baptist Richardson. For more information, please visit fbcr.org. Thanks be to our God. I don't know about you, but I needed that this morning, didn't you? A reminder of all that we have to be thankful for. And I'm sure as many of you, when I turned around and started telling people what I was thankful for, there's just not enough hours in the day, not enough time for me to talk about everything that I am thankful for. So much that we're thankful for. And it does the heart good every once in a while, right? To say that out loud, to say out loud what you're thankful for. And we probably don't do that enough. And I want to say coming up here, I'm thankful for a lot of things, just like you, of course, family and friends and so forth and so on. Thankful for you. But uh, I also, coming up here and after that, I'm thankful for Nathan. Nathan, thank you. Thank you, Nathan. Yes. For using your gifts. And I'm especially thankful for Andy and for all those who are behind me, our choir and orchestra. I don't know. Yeah, please do. It's easy to take this for granted. The the loft is pretty much full, and I, I cannot even start to tell you how rare that is in post-pandemic church world to have a choir and an orchestra so dedicated, so thankful for you, choir and orchestra, so thankful for you. Every Sunday, you get to see my best side back here as I preach, Uh, but um, I'm aware of that. We want to go to God's word now because we want to continue worshiping him by asking God to speak to our hearts from the power of his word. Nothing is more powerful than his word penetrating your heart. And that's my prayer for you today, that, that God's word, not my words, but that God's word would penetrate your heart as we begin to unpack an idea that is going to be very important for us as a church in 2022. In 2021, we have talked a lot about personal transformation. We want God to speak to you every day. So we, we established this, this tool we use called the well, right? And I hope you've heard about it. I hope you have one. We're going through God's word together every day in the well, asking God to transform us. We'll continue to do that next year. We're going to have a new edition of the well out soon. You'll be able to get that. You'll be able, we'll be able to go through the Bible together again in 2022 and beyond. We'll continue that, but we're going to build on that. Actually, the next step for us is not just as God to transform us, but then taking that life transformation that we are experiencing on a daily basis and sharing that with someone else. And so we're going to be talking a lot about something we're calling intentional connections, the ability to to intentionally connect to other people as you go through this life. So that's what I want to unpack today from God's word, the idea of intentional connections and what that looks like. So to do that, we're going to go to uh, 2 Thessalonians. I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'm going to read from Paul's letter to the Christians living in Thessalonica, uh, his words here in verses 6 to 13. And so this is what the word of God says. We are, we are not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead... We were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, 
and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but that it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So I was at a party Friday night. One of our church members, birthday party, invited me. Priscilla and I, and so we went to this party Friday night. And when I went into the home of this family, um, I noticed immediately that I didn't know most of the people in the room. It seemed like about 80 or 90% of the people that had been invited to this birthday party were friends and neighbors, acquaintances of this family. And about 10 to 20% were church members that I recognized immediately. And so what do I do as an introvert? As soon as I go into the room, I immediately head for the people I know, right? And that's natural. I mean, naturally, you go to the people that you know and you you haven't talked to them in a while and you shake hands and you start talking about life and you catch up with them. And these people who are there, the the, the 10 to 20% from our church are some of the most wonderful people anywhere. And so I I started enjoying talking to them. And at some point, I pulled away to go get a Diet Coke because, you know, if you invite the pastor over to your house, by the way, you have to provide Diet Coke. I'm, I'm a simple and humble man. I don't require much. Even if it's just one two-liter bottle and you put Ellis on it and put it aside (laughs) because no one else wants Diet Coke, that's what you need to do. So they had the Diet Coke, and so this family knows me, so they had the Diet Coke. Go get my Diet Coke, and I go immediately back to my circle of people that I know and that I love, and we're catching up and talking and having a glorious time. It's really a delightful evening, and about halfway through the evening, I realized that I had not even really talked to anyone in the room that I didn't know, which is about 80% of the room. Oh, I had been introduced here and there, you know, uh, hey, nice to meet you. And then, and then on to my circle group that I, the people that I knew, the people that I was comfortable with, the people that I loved and loved me, my my comfort zone. And, uh, and I had not really talked, even attempted really. I mean, I, it's, it was the, like on the way to the Diet Coke, I nodded to a couple of people. You do the nod, right? Nod. You acknowledge they're there. They nod back or, or the, how's it going? But it's not really a, how's it going that invites them to tell you, how's it going? Right? It's more of an excuse me, how's it going? It's a how's it going that says you're standing between me and the nachos. And I really want to get to the nachos. So I'm saying how's it going as I go by you to the nachos. It was that kind of how's it going, right? I had not really tried to engage in anyone else. It's about halfway through the night, I had this preacher voice inside of me. Pre- only preachers have this. It's this voice that says, you're preaching on t- intentional connections this Sunday, Ellis. Right? Try practicing what you preach. And so, uh, so I pulled away from my comfort zone and I decided, I, I went and found a guy that I'd never met and I went up and I introduced myself and asked, how's it going? But really this time, how's it going? I, I asked him what he did and he started to tell me, actually, it was very interesting. It's fascinating what he does. He worked, works for TI and he started to tell me all that. He's, he was kind of nerdy and I am too, so that was good. And so we get into this conversation. His wife comes over and she enters the conversation. I meet her, introduce, and she asks me the question, what do you do? That's always a difficult moment for me when they ask me what I do. If I'm in an airport or in an airplane and they ask me, what are you doing? 
I don't know whether to tell them I'm a pastor. Because as soon as I say I'm a clergy, I'm a pastor, one of two things happens. If they're a Christian, they brighten up and they start this long theological conversation, ask me questions, which is great. But if they're not a Christian, it like kills the conversation. I'm a pastor. Oh. And that's it, right? So I don't know. But I told her I'm, so half the time I tell them I'm an engineer, which is actually true. I have a diploma on my wall that says I'm an engineer. So I'm not really lying. But this time I said, yeah, I'm pastor, First Baptist Richardson. And she, oh, that was interesting. And so we started talking and it was a delightful time. Just, I had to pull myself out of my comfort zone, out of my normal pathways, right? To meet someone new. And when you can do that, it is the most delightful experience. And you know what? It's not that hard. This is what we're talking about with intentional connections. And this is what I see actually in the Apostle Paul. The question really is, if you, knew that you, if you knew that you only had a little bit of time to live, how would you live your life? And I think that most people who know they only have a certain amount of time to live begin to pour the rest of their time into their relationships. They begin to pour their rest of their time investing it into people. And this is what I see with Paul. When you study the life of Paul, what you will find, I believe, is a man who it seems, didn't think he had much time left on earth. He, he, because he, he runs around the Mediterranean world like a madman, making as many connections as he can, meeting as many people as he can, starting as many churches as he can, to win as many people as he can to the Lord. Paul, you get the feeling, didn't think he had much time left on this earth. And so he's making, constantly making new connections, new friends, new people. You see it everywhere he goes. Thessalonica, for instance. He comes into Thessalonica, he goes straight to the synagogue, he starts meeting people. He he tells them about Jesus, some of them believe, and he starts a little church. At some point he gets sideways with some of the synagogue rulers because he's stealing all their people in their minds. And so they run him out of town. And shortly after that, he writes a letter back to that little church that he started. And in part part of that letter, in part of that letter, he reminds them of how he was when he was with them. And it is actually a blueprint for making intentional connections. Paul says, remember when I came to you, I made connections to you. And he describes how that happened. So I want to take that and I want to just give you a little bit of a framework for how you can make intentional connections next year, this year, how you can follow this kind of a little bit of advice. So, so here's, what Paul, here's what it looks like for Paul. The first thing is, we don't go to them assuming or asserting our authority. We go as little children. We don't go to people asserting any kind of authority over them because we're Christians and they're not. Or we're churchgoers and they're not. But rather we go as little children. Look at verses six and seven. He says, we were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. We could have asserted our authority, but we didn't. Instead, he says, we were like young children among you. So I thought about that. What does it look like to be like a little child with other people? What do little children do? So I thought about my granddaughter who is seven years old. Oh, I love that age. It's a great age. The best ages for me, kids, five to seven, five, six, and seven. I love those ages. If children could just stay there, right? 
If all children could just stay five or six or seven, the world would be a perfect place. But they grow up, don't they? Anyway, okay, sorry. She's seven. So I'm thinking about her. What does she do? Well, first of all, they ask a lot of questions. Right? They ask a lot of questions. So when we enter into these conversations, people, we don't, we're not a people who pretend to have all the answers. And I'm telling you this because sometimes Christians can come across that way. Like we're the people who have all the answers. When the truth of the matter is, none of us have all the answers. I mean, look at your life. Would it be the way it is if you had all the answers? Honestly, come on. Can I get an amen? So we enter in these conversations, not as people who have all the answers, but as people who are asking a lot of questions. Little kids ask a lot of questions. The other thing about my little granddaughter and little kids that age is that they ask for help a lot. They recognize that they, they need help. So when we come into these conversations, when we come into these relationships, when we begin to make these connections, we don't swoop in as people who are invincible. Right? This is another misconception that the people outside the church have of people inside the church is that they have their life all together. Isn't that funny? That maybe we, we give the impression that we are a people who are invincible and have our life all together. But we come rather as little children. We are people who have problems too. Amen? We have problems too. We hurt. We grieve. We're in the same kind of pain as anyone else. So little kids ask for help a lot. I'm reminded of that moment with Jesus, at the Samaritan woman at the, at the well. Right? Where she comes to him and Jesus, Jesus, the, the king of kings and lord of lords. What is, what's the first part of the conversation? What does he do? He says to me, he says to the woman, can you help me? I don't have anything with which to draw water. I didn't bring a cup. Can you help me? Can you imagine that? Jesus is asking this Samaritan woman for help. This is what it means to come as a little child. To come into the conversation saying, I need help too. And the third thing about my little granddaughter and about little kids is they they have this way of giving this incredible, honest, authentic, unconditional love. Don't they? Transparent and kind of honest, unconditional love. So last Sunday, my wife had some of her family in town and and they wanted to hear me preach. And so... um, my wife, who normally goes to the contemporary service, brings the family into this worship service last Sunday, and she had my little granddaughter with her, Eden, seven years old. It's always a good Sunday when she shows up to hear me preach. And so they're sitting right back there, the family and Eden, my granddaughter. And my granddaughter has the save it for the sermon bag that you can get in the lobby, right? It's genius, brilliant. But apparently, the save it for the sermon bag only lasts about 25 minutes. <clears throat> Because about 25 minutes into my sermon, my precious, adorable granddaughter turns to my wife with a sigh and says, Lolly, I really wish Pops would stop preaching now. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that great? That's great. What was she doing? She was saying out loud what most of you are thinking every Sunday, <laughs> but don't want to say right? That's what she's doing. It's this, it's this authentic, honest, pure, unafraid, unconditional 
love. And this is how we are to approach every intentional connection we make. Paul says we don't come with authority, lording it over people. We come as little children. That's how we go to people. The other thing he says, he says is that we, we share our lives, not just the gospel. Sure, we want to share the gospel, but just sharing the gospel, Paul is saying it's not enough. He, look at what he says in verses 7 and 8. He says, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. See, now we're Baptists and that's a good thing. It's a very good thing. There's so many wonderful things about being a Baptist. I love the tenets of our faith. I love who we are as Baptists. That's a good thing. But there's a danger in that as well. Because you see, we, uh, we're really big on getting people baptized. Baptism, it's in our name. It's right there in the name, right? Baptism, it's super important for us. So when people to Jesus, we get them baptized. We get them into the water. And then it's almost like, okay, we're done. We, cl- we close the deal, right? But no, that's just the beginning. Getting someone baptized Coming to Jesus and baptized is a symbol of what God has already done in their life. That's just the beginning. Paul says, we didn't just get you to the Lord and get you baptized. No, we shared our entire lives with you, right? We, we, we were there for it. It means you walk alongside them. We, we, we don't just lead them to that beautiful moment of baptism and then abandon them. We share our lives with them. Here's another danger for a church that is more than 150 years old. A real danger is that our lives are already kind of full. We have our friends. We have, we have the people we've been doing life with for years and years and years. And we really just don't have any more room, right, for any more friends. Listen, I'm full up with the friends. I've got all the friends I can handle, all the friends I need. How can I make more connections? We're going to ask you next year to make one um, intentional connection, meet one friend every month, a new friend. Get outside of your comfort zone, one new friend. You say, well, I already have enough friends. I've got all my old friends. Well, get rid of some of them. Okay? To make room for new ones. I mean, if you take an honest look, some of them aren't that great anyway, right? It's time to renew the thing. No, I'm serious. Look, if you're going to make intentional, if you're going to bring people to the Lord, Paul says it's not enough just to share the gospel to them. Yes, that's important, but you have to give them some of your life too. You have to walk alongside them. And so you have to make some space to do that. And that has to become important enough to you that you're willing to say to some of your friends, I'm not going to be able to spend as much time with you this year as I did last year because I'm doing this. Amen? It's important. Paul says, we don't just share the gospel, we share our lives. By the way, I told you about that party I went to. This family, they, they, they invited people, and I told you 80% of them were, were not from the church, and maybe not from any church, as far as I know, and only 10 to 20% of them were from the church. That's the ideal party for you. If you're going to throw a party, you don't want 80% from the church and only 10% not from the church because then they feel uncomfortable. Like this is a church party and I don't really fit in because all, most of the people know each other from church and I'm kind of the oddball here and it's uncomfortable for those outside the church. But if you have a party with 80% of no church and only 10 to 20% from the church, now 
now they don't feel so, they feel at home, right? This is, this is just, that was a side note. It's not even my notes. I'm just telling you, this is a good thing to do. This is what it looks like to make intentional connections and be intentional about pouring your life into people who don't go to church anywhere. Maybe don't even have God. That's not going to come natural to most of us. This is why we say intentional connections. I'm doing it with intentionality. So Paul says we share our lives. Then he says, we model the Christian life. In other words, we were authentic with you. Look at verse 10. You are witnesses and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. Paul says it was important to us that we model what it looks like to be a Christian. And let me tell you something right now really quick. That doesn't mean that you're perfect. Paul was not perfect. I don't have time, but I could go into numerous places where I can show you Paul was not perfect. I promise you. He was kind of a pain. He wasn't perfect. This isn't saying that you're perfect. It means that you're authentic, that you're real, that kind of what you see is what you get, that you're approachable, you're forgiving, you're authentic. This is Paul says, when, when we were with you, you saw who we were, and what you saw is who we are. Flaws, blemishes, and all, it's who we are. This is the way you connect to people. And then finally he says, we love as a father loves his own children. In other words, we love unconditionally because that's the way a good father loves his own children. He loves them unconditionally, no matter what that child does. And that child may wound you and wound you and wound you and you still love and you love and you love unconditionally. Look at verses 11 and 12. He says, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So how does he love them? He says, he uses three adjectives. He loves them this way, encouraging, comforting, urging. Now that I think about those might not be adjectives, but anyway, encouraging, comforting, urging. Here are three places that Paul identifies Three places that people get to in their lives where you can connect to them. Three ideal moments that most everyone in this world gets to at some point in their life. And when they are at this moment, this is the moment for you to connect with them. The first moment is when they are discouraged or depressed. He said, we came to you encouraging. So when you find someone who is discouraged or depressed... Anybody know someone right now who's discouraged or depressed? Anybody? Raise your hand. You don't know anybody? You guys need to get around more. When you see someone discouraged or depressed, you come in and you're encouraging. Encouraging. The second moment when someone needs someone, when they're grieving or hurting. Anybody know somebody right now who's grieving or hurting? My contention is that all of us in some way are grieving right now everything we've been through through the pandemic, the people we've lost. He says, you see somebody who's grieving or hurting? He says, comforting. We came to you encouraging. We came to you comforting. And the third moment when people need you, the third moment when you can swoop in and be intentional with your connection, when you find someone who is stuck, stuck or paralyzed with fear, 
Maybe they've lost their job. Maybe they lost their career. They don't know where to go next. They're kind of stuck in their life. They're stuck. Anybody ever been stuck in your life and willing to admit it? Stuck. I'm stuck. Paul says, we came to you urging, urging you forward, urging you on. You see these three words, encouraging, comforting, urging. These are the three moments where we can come into people's lives and we can make a difference, right? We can make a difference. So what can you do from here? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of practical things. Just, uh, just three things because they're kind of on the forefront for us right now. Some practical things you can do and uh, we'll be done. So one is, of course, is that you can, as we've already mentioned, you can continue to give. Right now is a season when we're emphasizing our uh, Great Commission Fund, as we now call it, for the mission of God locally and beyond. This is uh, our UMO. Or for those of you who've been around a long time, this is our Lottie Moon, okay? You can still call it Lottie Moon if you want. You, don't call it, you can call it whatever you want as long as you give, right? You just call it whatever you want. But it's, it's the Great Commission Fund, and this is the fund in our church that helps us do many of these things. One of the things that that Great Commission Fund has bought for us to use is our Gather Your Community Trailer. And that's another thing that you can do, this Gather Your Community Trailer. It has everything in it you need to go out into your neighborhood, your cul-de-sac, and just throw a block party and meet your neighbors and meet new people and have great and wonderful and delightful conversations and come to them as a child asking them a lot of questions. This trailer, you can, you can, you can uh, check it out basically from, from us and, and use it. It's free of charge. It has uh, games for kids. It has everything you need to throw this great party. This is a tool we want to use this coming year for people to use. It's already been used. You can sign up for it. You can use it. It has chairs and tables you can put out so that you can meet your neighbors. You can, you can get connected to them. So that's another thing that you can do. Um, and another way that our giving is, is really helping us is with our Afghan refugee ministry. We talked about this last week. Uh, the, uh, Patty Lane's back out there at the table. Maybe the table got pretty crowded, I heard, last time. And maybe you didn't get your, your questions answered. Maybe you didn't get to the table last week. You can go right after the worship service. Over by the Missions Cafe is a table with our... Um, our Afghan refugees, where we want to help, and you can find ways to connect to that and make a difference in someone's life who is in that place. They are the definition, right? They are the definition of discouraged, grieving, hurting, stuck, stuck, paralyzed with fear. Can you imagine? They, they check all those boxes, and this is a moment where you, we can come in and we can make a difference. 2022 is going to be a year where we're going to emphasize Intentional connections all year long. Just the way we emphasize the well this year. We talked about the well every Sunday. You probably got tired of hearing it, didn't you? That's fine. We, we, we want to keep it at the forefront of your mind. We're going to do the same next year with intentional connections. Because when you go outside of your comfort zone, when you go outside of your comfort zone, when you're intentional about that, you never know what the impact could be. Because the truth is, every person that you meet in life, you have no idea what burden they are carrying. You have no idea what pain they are nursing. You have no way of knowing what heartache they are going through in that moment. But when you're following God, 
and you open your eyes and you see this moment, this moment, and you never know what God will do with that. I love the story. Uh, it's an old story. February 14th, Valentine's Day, 1965. So you have to think back to 1965. What was happening in our country and in our world? Valentine's Day, 1965, uh, an elderly uh, African American woman was driving out on an old uh, kind of country highway um, in Alabama, deep south. 1965. She pulls over to the side of the road because her car breaks down. And there's a torrential rain beating on her car. And she's in a hurry to get somewhere and she she doesn't know what to do. Uh, And so she decides to get out of her car to flag down the next car that comes by. And so she does. And as soon as she steps out of the car, of course, now she is drenched in this torrential rain. So she's soaking wet And she sees the headlights of a car coming and she waves the car down and the car stops. And it's a young white man who has stopped. 1965, deep south, Alabama. A white man stops to help this elderly African-American woman. That generally didn't happen in 1965 in the deep south. But he stops and he helps her. He gets her into his car. He has an old towel that she can dry off with. He takes her down to the nearby town and helps her to get a cab. Stays with her the whole time until the cab comes and makes sure that she's safe in the cab. Uh, and as she's getting into the cab, she writes, she, gets, she takes down his name. She wants his name and his address. So he gives it to her. And she's gone. That's it. One little um, unusual in that day and time act of kindness. Seven days later, this young man who stopped to help is sitting at home and he gives, there's a knock on the door and he goes to the door and it's a delivery man. And he is delivering a giant con- combination console TV record player. You remember those? Like they were like, there's a piece of furniture, right? Huge. We had one. My dad bought one. And it has the television and has the record player on top. You remember that? It's a piece of furniture. This is being delivered to his house. And they they weren't cheap, right? This is delivered to his house. And there's a note attached. And it's from the woman that he helped. And this is what the note said. Dear Mr. James... Thank you so much for assisting me on the highway the other night. The rain drenched not only my clothes, but my spirits. Then you came along. Because of you, I was able to make it to my dying husband's bedside just before he passed away. God bless you for helping me and unselfishly serving others. Sincerely, Mrs. Nat King Cole. You never know when you take the time to stop, just to stop and get outside of your comfort zone, right? 
Get outside of your comfort zone and just care. It's really not that hard. Just care. You never know what God is going to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all you give us, all you do for us. You are the ultimate example of someone who who left heaven to come to us, to come to where we live, to become one of us with flesh and bone and blood. And we thank you for that, Lord, and help us now. Help us to be like you more each day. Help us to love our neighbor well. Help us to love each other well. We love you today, and we pray that you would give us everything we need to serve others, to go outside of our comfort zone, to make a difference in this world. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.